is just an introduction before we blow your mind. We step up in your function and put in overtime. I'm not a workaholic, but I'm always on my grind every day. Cause that's the only way I'm gonna shine. Anyway, I had to put this beat over this rhyme just to remind my people of a much simpler time when we play video games and ball sports with overall short, short fades on ball courts. For me, it was the 90s. For you, it may be different in your mind frame, but the time frame ain't specific. We was always just kidding back when we was just kids. We never had to question our lives. We just lived just cause. Why were we happy? We just was. Maybe the reason is cause all we needed was just love. And uh, some of us got that. What do you call that? Well, back then, we would call it all that. Hey, hey. Hey. And we're sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I'll take the brunt of the uh, blame for this one. Uh, people, I relocated um, just different part of town. Uh, so, and I don't have any vacation time. Or, you know, I didn't. And so we just moved on a weekend and I had to do everything else on the fly. So haven't had a whole lot of time for anything, let alone this podcast. But then also for a couple of those weeks, I didn't even have internet service. And so that's where we got the little month lapse right here in the middle of our of our pure premium pulp block. But uh, yeah, um, thanks for bearing with us. And what what a better way to uh, show you how much we appreciate you for that than going with this piece of shit movie? Yeah, this is a horrible movie. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I I even full disclosure, people. I gave him an out. I said, you know what? Let's let, let's just put the the pure premium pulp here on pause. Well, and, the thing, and we'll, but, we'll jump to something else. You're like, no, no, we got to finish it. We're in the middle of it. I'm like, all right. But you didn't give me an out because we had to come back and do it anyway. <laughs> but so we might as well get it over with now. <laughs> yes. And uh, if you don't remember, we, of course, are doing uh, another movie block based on properties from uh, the old pulp comics and pulp novels from back in the 20s and 30s 40s. Yep. And today we got a doozy for you folks. It's uh, the precursor to uh, the Batman. Yes. And it's none other than 1994's The Shadow. Jesus. Tap as Christ. Now, but before we start talking about it, do did you growing up or anything know know the shadow of course not because i was born in 81 i only knew about it you know when they started uh doing the marketing blitz for the movie and i think there was like that dr pepper had it on um had it on their cans or like so i think it was dr pepper i want to say um but it was on soda cans they had a toy line for it they had you know, Super Nintendo Sega Genesis game based on it, which I never actually seen, but I remember seeing in the in the uh, magazine. It was just like a, uh, you know, a generic uh, Final Fight ripoff. Really, you like never you Final had, Shite. <laughs> you never heard like uh, I mean, I I didn't know what the Shadow was, but I had heard of it just from watching like Bugs Bunny would reference the shadow from time to time or stuff like that you never heard it there I mean I've probably seen it but I mean I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gotten it because I don't know what the shadow is yeah because I, I mean the, the shadow's iconic line is uh, what evil lurks in the heart of the hearts of men the shadow knows yeah and 
I, I want to say that you know, maybe references in like old movies, I, I think you know old period pieces. It it was in there like I don't think Christmas Story, but you know a movie sort of like that could be. But the thing is, before this movie, I wouldn't have gotten that. You know, would have noticed it. Now after that, then sure, you know, hear someone say, "Oh, the Shadow knew." I was like, "Okay, I've heard it. I've heard that before." Yeah, and there's that so, line in that Wu Tang song. I think it's Inspector Deck, and he goes, "What evil lurks?" I don't remember the line, but he basically yeah. says, "You know, what evil lurks in the hearts of men." But I don't remember the rest of the verse. But, yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, we, you say this is the precursor to the Batman because this is much like the Phantom. This is one of the things that that Bob Kane and. Uh, the other guy whose name I'm blanking on uh, really sort of got the whole Batman shtick from because this is a guy who you know during the day pretends to be a wealthy socialite about town but then at night is a vigilante and is you know stopping crooks and stuff yeah and uh, maybe maybe that's why Gotham is perpetually stuck in like this uh, noir, because I, they really want to—they really want to keep up the whole shadow reference. I guess so. But you know, before we—well, we haven't jumped into the movie yet. But you know, just to give you a quick background. It, of course, is another novel, uh, pulp novel that was started back in the 1930s. Um, it was originally introduced by. You know, it, it was a radio show, basically, at first. Yeah. Um, it was narrated by a man named David Chrisman, William Sweets, and Harry Ingman for Street and Smith Publications. And then a couple years later, the uh, a, a pulp writer by the name of Walter B. Gibson sort of fleshed him out and gave him more of a story and a backstory and he wrote actual pulp novels and um, turned the, the shadow into a pop culture icon yeah. for that time. And yeah, he like I said, he is a major influence of of uh, Batman because they are essentially the same thing, really. Yeah, so it's just interesting, you know. We didn't plan this, but. Um the way we lined up these movies because we started with Flash Gordon the segue being Defenders of the Earth you know right into the Phantom and we mentioned some of the Batman parallels in the Phantom and then you know right into this where we get you know the actual Batman prototype yeah yeah so I mean let's let's uh jump into it yeah, so um, before we really start digging into the movie, I just want to say that um, just overall, I mean, this is what happened with all these, all these, all these pulp movies, is, and just really all these superhero movies that came out in the early '90s. Everybody, we talked about it in Dick Tracy. Everybody was chasing that Batman '89 dollar. Yeah. So everybody was trying to make Batman, and this is no exception. They were so trying so hard to make Batman. This is here. just life. <laughs> Like the Phantom, where where Batman is sort of based on the Phantom, but then when the Phantom movie came out, it was trying to be Batman. Yeah. 
You know, they're trying yeah. to be eight, 89 Tim Burton Batman, and it failed. Yeah, and so I guess they thought, well, well, I get, well, this, this technique came before, so both cases, you know, one looked at the other and said, ah, well, we can do it better, and no, they didn't. No. But, um, so, um, we get the little intro where you just get the big shadow logo on the screen. Mm-hmm. This is the quickest intro I've ever seen, quickest title screen I've ever seen. And then it just cuts right to, uh, opium fields. I'm like, oh, well. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's and, rather symbolic, ain't it? And see, I, I guess, I mean, it happens so much in, in pop culture that I guess this really was a thing where after World War II, a lot of American and. World War One. Or, I'm sorry, yeah, World War One, a lot of American and British soldiers just didn't come home. They ended up, you know, going, going into, um, the Middle East into India and into uh, you know e- not Ethiopia uh, India Indonesia Tibet and yep. just you know got high and just kind of you know because they they were traumatized by the horrors of war and just you know didn't think they could adjust to regular life back at home so they just went to these you know, remote places. And that there's even expats that, that are living in these countries still today. Mm-hmm. You know? And I guess it was just a thing because you see it in uh, this movie. You see it in The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the original graphic novel. Not They didn't play that part up in uh, the movie. Uh, but we're never covering that. No, that, that was covered success, successfully... By uh, we hate movies, so we're not covering yeah. it. That's also outside of our mandate, anyway, so we're safe. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, it opens on this uh, opium field, and you see this car come speeding down this dirt road, and it's coming to this like a, I guess a castle, castle or a temple or, or, of some sort. Yeah. And you see these two Asian guys are dragging this third Asian guy into this into this uh, temple. Yeah, and um, well, you don't recognize him because I mean I know you've seen your your share of Seinfeld, but you didn't watch it like I did. That's the guy from the Chinese restaurant. Who <laughs> I know him anywhere I see him. Well, yeah. The guy they're dragging in, and I'm just like I'm just waiting for him to just just, just yell Cartwright. <laughs> Call it for <laughs> for George George Costanza. Well, yeah. Uh, like, oh my God, it's him. This this movie, especially this opening scene, has tons of uh, of uh, Asian actors that you'll know that you won't know by name, but you've seen them in probably every every movie that needed a, an Asian person, like yeah. uh, Big Trouble in Little China and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But. Um, Anyway, he gets dragged into this room, and then there's a man sitting in shadow. Caught right? <laughs> Caught right! And then, uh, this, uh, this older Asian man has this, who has this, like, giant ledger book. He comes walking up, and he's like, uh, you know, your men, or you and your brothers killed three of our men. Uh, and the, prisoner was like I don't want to talk to you I want to talk to Ying Ko and you know you can't do this 
to me, you can't take over my business, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Yinko stands up. Or no, Yinko, with these really bad Halloween nails on, these bad Lee press-on nails, is digging him into, like, this roast pork that's sitting next to him. And it's just disgusting. And he's feeding it to his dog, and then he jumps up, and you see that Yinko is actually Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Which, I gotta say, out of all the movies that we have done so far, this is the biggest actor that we have had. Yeah. I mean, there, there was really nobody in in uh, Flash Gordon except for Max von Sydow. Yeah. The Phantom... Billy Zane and Treat Williams are are B list actors, right? Uh, it, it did have Catherine Zeta Jones in her first appearance, but that was but she know, was nobody. Yeah, she was nobody then. But this is Alec fucking Baldwin. You know, he's and off- this movie this movie was written with him in mind. Yeah, he's For already the- done Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. He's done uh, you know a bunch of movies by now because this this I don't know if we said this movie came out in 1994. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's he's a well-known actor. He's an A-list actor. In fact, to the point where uh, Stephen Baldwin has already showed up in Biodome and like the other ones, where they're really trying to make the Baldwins a, a, a thing, which yeah. never really quite happened. But you know, they they had careers because he had one. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, Yinko stands up and he says. He says, basically, you know, uh, I can do what I want. You're going to give all of your your opium fields to me anyway. So the prisoner pulls out a knife and puts it to the throat of the older man with the ledger. And and he the prisoner says, you're not going to shoot me when, when I'm holding or your your guards aren't good enough to shoot around this guy. Mm hmm. And Alec Baldwin says, um, says to the older guy with the ledger, he's, he's like, uh, you, you were like a father to, to me. You know, I, I trust you with my life. And the older guy's like, oh, thank you, Yinko. And so Alec Baldwin turns his back to him and whispers to the guard, shoot through him. <laughs> so the guards just fucking unload. And <laughs> that was... The coldest murder I've ever, you know, the coldest disregard for for human life I've seen since 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 Hal killed those guys in the pod in 2001. But I don't know if it hit him because he's holding this ledger book up to his chest, and you see a lot of those squibs are hitting that fucking book, and that's a thick book. I don't think oh. it could go through two people. Well, it did. I mean, he's dead. Uh, yeah, it did. But realistically, I don't know if it would work. It shouldn't have, but hey, it yeah. worked. But anyway, it cuts to nightfall, and you see Yinko, Alec Baldwin, laying in bed with like four different women. And he has this dream. And, you know, he, he, he hears this voice and everything. He wakes up, and these men kidnap him and drag him in in this car drag him to like this mountainside and Yinko's like why have you dragged me here he's like you have to see the Taupa 
or the what's his name? It's not Talbot. Oh, it's uh, the, the well, Tolku. Tolku. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's like, you have to go to the temple of Tolku. Yeah. And there's just this little shack sitting there, and the mountain is above, but it's all it's got clouds and fogs in front of it. And so, so, uh, like Baldwin says, that's a temple. It's kind of shitty. He's like, <laughs> yeah, it looks like a little hut. Yeah, and and the guy, the, the kidnapper, says, "No, look," and the wind blows, and. <laughs> The wind blows away, and you see this giant temple on the side of the mountain, and it looks like looks like Castle Grayskull and Skull Mountain or Snake Mountain from He Man. If they merged <laughs> them together, is that the third time we've referenced He Man in these uh in the middle of this block? I think so. It, it it's either it's either a combination of Castle Grayskull and Snake Mountain, or it's it's a Cobra Law, you know, uh, from from GI Joe. Because it's this giant castle, and then in the front, the front gate is surrounded by this giant gold cobra head. Yeah. And you have to walk into the cobra's mouth. So, uh, you know, they walk in, and you see this teenager is sitting there, and he says, uh, you're Robert, or not Robert Cranston. Oh, no, not Robert his name was Lamont. Oh yeah, Lo- Lamont. Uh, Cry- stop, 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 stop. Now I'm not gonna, I'm not, you know, maybe I, I'm not gonna claim to know any better about the 1930s, but clearly times have changed. Um, today, you show me a white man named Lamont, I'll show you. You, you know what? No, I mean you, you won't find it. There was no white man named Lamont. No. And every time they mention that, I just always picture uh, the, the guy from Sanford and Son walking out. Every time they call his name, like, call for Lamont. <laughs> I forget, like, the sun coming out. Like, and someone calling him a big dummy. Yeah. But <laughs> but anyway, you know, um, this teenager who has this very deep adult voice because he's he's like a llama or a Dali, which is... Dali, Dali Lama? Yeah. Or what's... Because Dali is the... Title right, or is it Lama the title? I don't know, and it, but but he's you know a like a Tibetan spiritual person, kind of like the little kid from the Golden Child. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, um, yeah. so um, you know the, this guy, but but he has an adult older man older man's voice, and you know he he says, uh, "No, you're Robert Cranston, and you are very Lamont sp- Cranston, or Lamont. I'm sorry." <laughs> You are Lamont Cranston, and and I've been he watching you, Robert. Why is he Lamont? Yeah, it's like he's like uh, I know uh, deep down you have you know, special gifts, and I'm going, I'm going to uh, to bring them out. And, and this is what I don't understand because, I mean, he killed he he killed your guy, and the guy who died said, you know, if you kill me, my brothers will come for you. They do, but then they don't do anything to him. They teach him basically how to be the great white hype. Yeah, again, but uh, again, it's a <laughs> just it's like a, the Phantom. It's, I think, a product of the time. You know, where you know the white man will save everyone. Yeah, but you know. but it's different because 
they they give him that as a punishment. Like, what's the punishment? You made him awesome. Yeah, yeah. But he, he's like, you know, we're gonna. I'm going to teach you to to use your to use your ability to cloud men's minds. And and Cranston is like, well, why me? He's like, because because you know the evil that lurks in in men's hearts. So, oh god! So then he's like, "Well, you know, that's like this movie's great power comes great responsibility, basically, because that comes up a lot." Yeah. So he's like, "He's like, well, I don't want want to do it," and he tries to tackle uh, Tolku, and Tolku does this weird like teleportation move, and it's really, uh, this it's, shitty TG, CGI teleportation. Yeah, it's really bad CGI, and he teleports to the other side of the room. And here's the thing. This is 1994, you know. I excused, you know. I, I I tend to excuse such things, you know, for movies made back then. But here's the problem: the rest of the set pieces in this thing look horrible. It's yeah. like Dick Tracy level. So that tells you this movie had no business attempting CGI because they clearly blew their wad, blew their budget on affording that, <laughs> where everything else kind of went to crap. So. They could have just left it alone. Yeah, because it's just a really shitty kind of wipe effect. And then he's yeah. over on the other side of the room. So then, so then, uh, Alec Baldwin tries to tackle him again. He teleports again, and, and Alec Baldwin crashes into, like, this, uh, shrine that's sitting there. It's got, you know, a bunch of candles and some, some urns and stuff. And then there's this knife that's sitting on this pedestal. So Cranston grabs it, and it's and it looks kind of like the knife from the Golden Child. To bring that up back up again, <laughs> he grabs this knife, and the knife starts to spin around in his hand like a top, and it spins all, all the way around. So the the hilt of the knife on the end, there's like a head. It looks like a Buddha head kind of, mm-hmm. and it it turns around and it looks at him and all of a sudden the eyes open on it and the mouth opens and it's got all of these like needle sharp teeth and <laughs> it is fucked up because because in this scene the the knife is obviously CGI you, you can tell because it's just not quite there it's kind of off you know it looks like a cartoon but you already see the webbing between his thumb and finger where it's holding the knife you can see it's already red and then you just see this CGI knife with these dagger teeth bite into that web where it's already red and you know he's going to bleed mm-hmm. so then he starts to bleed he drops the knife the knife starts to fly around it flies and stabs him in the leg and then he pulls it out of his leg and it, the knife is just dragging him around the room and he lets it go and finally Toku says uh, the knife is called the Purba so he says Purba stop and the Purba stops and it's just looking at, at Cranston and it wants to go after him again and Toku says Purba no <laughs> so then he's like I will train you so you will be able to harness your mind and think you can control Purba yourself. And again, he killed one of your people, and this is how you 
This is how you get your revenge? Yeah. So, fucking... Do you get to see any of that training? No. Cut to uh, a scroll talking about... Oh, this scroll was the best. <laughs> talking about how how he spent the last seven years, you know, training in in order to use you know, his his mental powers to to cloud men's minds and he's gonna go back to the place of his birth to to uh, stop crime and evil people as the shadow well it is yeah as the shadow but it kind of ends off it says and so he returns to his place of birth the universal unwashed armpit dot 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 the next scene, New York City. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Or Gotham City, because they look exactly the same. <laughs> so, and, it's, and, 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 and again, we don't get to see any of that training. We don't even get how this makes any sense, because if I'm if, if I'm Yinko, Lamont, Cranston, whatever, I'm supposed to be this bad guy. This guy teaches me this stuff. I'm going to take it to even be an even better guy. Yeah. They don't explain that transformation. They don't explain how this even makes any sense. He just ends up back in, back in New York. Yeah, and it's been seven years. Not only is he back in New York, he already has an established base of operations. He's as you come to find out, you know, he's got operatives all over the city. Oh, we we're gonna get into that because <laughs> all right, it cuts to New York. It's nighttime. Uh, there are you see the, these mobsters get out of this car. And they drag out another Asian man, um, who, another dude, you've seen him in everything. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what he was, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that you will immediately recognize him from, but, uh, you know, he's got cement shoes. Yeah. Well, the, they say they're cement shoes. It looks like a big hunk of plastic again yeah, because they blew their, they, they blew their wad on this, this bad CGI. Yeah. But you know they're they're saying okay, you know we're gonna uh, we're gonna, gonna kill you because you you picked the wrong alley to look down, and I guess he saw you know a robbery or a murder, God knows what. Yeah, you just saw the wrong thing, you, wrong place, wrong time. Oops. Yeah. So then they start to lift him up, and and they're gonna drop him into the river, and then all of a sudden you just hear this manic laughter and it's just all over it's just ha 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 so then the guy you know the main monster pulls out his gun he's like you know show yourself who's there and um the guy uh, you, you just hear um Alec Baldwin start saying oh you killed a policeman and you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure you you pay for that. You know you can't do that in my city. Blah blah blah. But you don't see him. You, you just hear his voice, and his voice is just kind of everywhere on this bridge. So this mobster just starts shooting. He's got a pistol, and he just starts shooting randomly everywhere yeah, in circles. No regard for his people, his partners sitting right there, who he could clearly just hit. You know. As he's just spinning around in a circle shooting. Yeah, yeah, it gets worse because then he goes to the car and pulls out a Tommy gun. <laughs> and he starts running around like a damn fool. <laughs> he's, he's literally spinning on one foot 
in the middle of the bridge and just shooting. And then he shoots out his own car. He shoots out the street lights. He he goes to the sidewalk and there's this little tunnel, you know, on the the sidewalk. And he's shooting down there. He goes to the side and he starts shooting in the water. <laughs> and, then, and then he runs out of bullets. He's like, I gotcha, you know. And then out yeah, of no- but 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 with, with what confirmation? Did you see anything get hit? No. Exactly. No, but then all of a sudden... He knows he's got him, huh? Yeah, all of a sudden, out from behind him, you just see this bad wipe cloud effect, and there's the shadow. And he's standing standing there, and he just starts punching the dude. And he's he's punching the shit out of this guy. And this is a problem, and this is one of the reasons why I hate this movie so much, because... Everything coming forward, all the action scenes, they're all non-existent because you never see him do anything. It's, they, 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 they do these, this, 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 this smoke effect whenever he comes by and he just, you know, he fights and punches and stuff like that. But that's all you ever see. Yeah. Yeah. All, all you ever see is this, like, smoke monster, basically, that, that runs around and knocks people down and stuff. So then- yeah. And then, then he ends up over on the other side of the bridge and that's where we really get the Batman prototype because he's standing there you know kind of in the light but mostly in the dark just as this dark figure yeah and his face is all like done up where it looks like he has a very big nose very bushy eyebrows and he's wearing an all black suit with a with a black cape and he's got a black fedora but he, he has this red I guess scarf that's around his nose and his mouth yeah and I hate this by the way I know that's what it looked like. If you look, I mean, it's true to the source. I mean, if you look at the comic books and the illustrations of it, that's exactly what he looked like. But um, in doing the research and comparisons and all that, I pulled up one of the Shadow serials, you know, because they did some TV uh, shorts and some like little short movies with the Shadow in there. And he actually has the mask. It's all he's he's in all black, and he actually has the mask pulled all the way up, like up to his eyes, basically. You know, yeah. over his nose. So, and in that, I mean, it could be just because it's black and white too. But when he's like that, he looks like he looks pretty damn sinister mm-hmm. in those old serials. But on this, it just looks goofy. Yeah, because he's wearing a prosthetic nose. Which you you come to find out that the the nose and the bushy eyebrows and stuff, it's all because part of the shadow's powers is. I guess he's psychic, and he can make you see what you want to see, or it's he a form. What yeah, you see. it's a form of telep- telepathy. You know, he doesn't actually—he's not actually invisible. He make—he just clouds your ability to see him. Yeah, so he—he he just projects into your mind this sinister look, but the actual makeup is really bad. <sighs> and and th- this isn't the only instance of really bad makeup. We'll get. Yeah, well, they couldn't afford it because they blew it on CGI. Yeah, but which and- is going to be my explanation for every everything here. Because I mean, there's so many places where they could could have clearly done a better job and they didn't. Yeah, but anyway, they uh, he he, he t- those the monsters. You're going to go down to the Sixth Street Station and you're going to turn yourselves in for the murder of that cop, right? And they're like, yes, yes, yes. So they get in their car, or no, they, they don't even get in the car. They just run, run off. So then Shadow walks up to this Asian man that's still in this, you know, block of cement, but he's fallen on the ground. 
Mikey pulls out these two silver pistols and aims them at him. And the Asian guy's like, oh no, please, please don't, don't kill me. And the shadow just starts firing at the brick of cement. <laughs> and he keeps shooting, 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 and then he stops. And then all of a sudden the guy's legs, are, or his feet are free. Which I don't think works that way. No, if and... Any- Fuck, if anything, the ricochets would have hit somebody. Ricochets might have hit himself. Yeah. And then when he kept shooting, you know, he would have ended up hitting the guy in the shins or in the feet. Yeah. So, so anyway, he, he breaks this uh, concrete, and then this taxi pulls up. Yeah, they both get in the taxi, and the shadow's like, uh, I have saved your life, so now... You are one of my agents in this city. And this is what blew my mind. Like, okay, so he helps people, but then he claims their existence? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But (laughs) this is the fucked up thing. He's like, you are one of my agents. So for now on, um, if if you want to find another agent, you have to say the sun is shining. And then they will respond with, but the ice is slippery. This is... <laughs> this may just confuse the fuck out of me. Because, you know, if you're brand new to being in in the shadow service, you don't know, you know, who's an agent and who's not. So No, you don't. You're walking around... Or you're... you're and, and obviously you're kind of scared of the shadow because they mentioned that he's been in the newspapers and he's, you know, the shadowy figure. Is he real? Isn't he real? Kind of like Batman. Exactly like Batman. Yeah. You know, the, those early Batman stories, um, you know, the criminals knew of Batman, but the average everyday person thought he was a myth. So it, it's the same, same thing here. Um, so you're, you know, kind of scared. You don't know who who's working for the shadow and who's not. So, you know, if some there's two scenarios that's going to happen. One, you're sitting on the bus. The guy next to you is just making polite conversation. And says, hey, yeah, the sun's shining today. So then you start saying, but the ice is slippery. And the guy's going <laughs> to look, look at you like you're a damn idiot. Or, scenario two, you're going to be wandering all around town, you know, say, saying, uh, hey, the sun is shining, hey, the sun is shining, and, and then everyone's going to say, oh, the, there's a, a poor man who's touched in the head, and, and just talks about how the sun is shining. Right. Or, I just thought of this, it, it'll be fucking, the third scenario <laughs> is going to be, you know, uh, a man's going to come up to you. He's going to say, the sun is shining. This Asian man repeats, but the ice is slippery. And then, you know, out, out of sheer excitement, you're going to blurt really loud, Oh, hey, you work for the shadow, too? <laughs> it doesn't work. No, it, it's... it's. So, uh, I mean, the it's other... corny, man. And we're not even in... We're... we're... We're nowhere into this movie yet, and all these problems have already. Been we have to get so. this established before we really get into this. But but this is what I'm uh, saying. This movie, God, uh, but, who wrote this? Who who did the screenplay? Um, let me. 
while I'm pulling it up, I just want to say the other problem with this is that um, when when they, they get back to the guy's house, the cab driver gets out and says, "Here, take this," and gives him a ring that's got like a red like ruby or something in it. He's like, "Everyone that works for the shadow wears this ring." Well, fucking just look look for the ring instead of saying this corny ass the ring. <laughs> and and have it be a better. My whole thing is have it be a better phrase. Don't make it the sun is shining. Yeah, it. You know, because everybody says that. Yeah, but I'm looking. But not everybody replies with the ice is slippery. Yeah, how how many people are you gonna ask before you find the person? Yeah. What um, about when there's no ice? Yeah, I don't know. You just, I, I, I don't know. It's just it, we're, we're 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 analyzing too much about this fucking line. But it really is oh. stupid, people. It's stupid. Oh my! Whoa! What? The writer of this movie is David Kep, and you may know that name if you're a big cinema file because he worked on Jurassic Park. First Mission Impossible. Um, let's see. He worked on Jurassic Park 2. Yeah, that was a pretty bad one. He wrote Panic Room. He wrote the screenplay for Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Ugh. He was also a director. Uh, he directed The Secret Window, Stir of Echoes, The Trigger Effect. Yeah, God. he's... he's uh, so he's... Uh, so he's got a lot of ups and downs there. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got some... Shit, he wrote Carlito's Way. <laughs> I wonder if you really wrote Carlito's Way or if every... I, I mean... I, I mean well, it, it was it based like on the he, novel, but well, you know. yeah. But I'm just saying, like you know, the, the, that body of work is probably the spottiest that I've ever seen. Like, there's no there's no consistency at all. You have something that's really good, or you know, considered a classic, and then something that's just considered universally just to be crap. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Oh wow, he wrote the first Spider-Man, the Sam Raimi one. Okay. Oh, that. you know, I got something to say about Sam Raimi, by the way. Um, because, it, you know, I was going to save this for later. But, uh, well, I guess, we'll, you know, we'll, since you brought the name up, we'll do it now. This movie is just such a freaking statistic. Because it's yet another one of those, just like Phantom, just like Flash Gordon, that was in development hell for like five years. You know, someone wanted to do it, and it just never got off the ground. Um, Sam Raimi wanted the rights to this. He couldn't make this. He couldn't get the rights. And so he made uh, Darkman, which is a good movie. In yeah. fact, it, made, it was a it, that was a uh, that was a mainstay on like you know Friday Saturday night movies on TV. You know, I watched that a lot. We hell, we might do an episode about that one of these days. But Darkman, if you remember, I never really thought about it until I heard, so I saw that. But yeah, Darkman, it's a lot of Shadow and Darkman. You know, yeah, it is. it's just because he couldn't make Shadow. Look at, but okay, back to Flash Gordon. You know, George Lucas wanted to make Flash Gordon, went on to make a better movie because he didn't get, couldn't get the rights. So this is another example right here. And then when they finally made the one, it sucked. Um, 
so yeah this, this is yet another uh, another one of those in the long line of uh, directors going on to make better shit <laughs> when they were setting out to make this mm-hmm. but um, anyway so, so they drop the guy off and then they then the cab driver gets back in the car and he turns and looks in the back seat and you see Alec Baldwin is back his face is back to normal and he, he just looks drained because like I, I guess it takes a lot out of him to project that that false face and then you know do all that hiding and shadow fighting and stuff no, I can believe that. Yeah, because you know, so, mental powers, you know, it's draining you mentally. Yeah, so then he, he's like, you know, take me to the club. So I guess he keeps a spare set of clothes in this taxi cab because he gets out and he's in a full, you know, it, it, it was the 1930s and everyone went to the club and they had a you know suit and bow tie and stuff. So he's got that. Yeah, on. it was the 1930s where you you know you went to. Uh, you went to where black people could be heard but not allowed in. Exactly. Exactly. Because sure enough, there's a black woman singing on stage. But yeah, there's a black band on stage. Yeah. You know, but ain't none out there enjoying the enjoying the festivities or having a drink or anything. Mm-mm. Not at all. And, you know, he goes and he meets his, uh, his uncle, who's played by Jonathan Winters, in a weird... Well, it's not weird, but Jonathan Winters is, you know, sort of known as a comedian, and he's he's playing the the police commissioner, and really doesn't have a lot of like funny lines. It, it, no. It's not a comedic role. I, th- this movie is pretty lighthearted, but but the police commissioner guy is not, you know, it, it's not funny. No, no, you know, but. Uh, Anyway, he's he's sitting there and he's talking, and then this girl walks in, and uh, girl is played by Penelope. Yeah, Penelope Ann Miller. When is the last time you heard that name? Was it was it this? <laughs> what was it this? It might be. <laughs> yeah. I remember that name. She was kind of big back in like you know the eighties. Yeah, from eighty eight to about ninety four. She was really yeah. Big. So this 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 might have derailed her whole her whole profession. She was in Big Top Pee Wee Kindergarten yep. Cop. Uh huh. Um, but anyway, she um she comes in and and Cranston is like, well, you know, Uncle, who's that? And he's like, oh, that's a uh, uh, Margot Lane. But don't talk to her because she's crazy. She hears voices. So anyway, he goes up and talks to her anyway. Of course. And and there, he um he buys her a bottle of wine, and then they leave, and they they go to this uh, this Chinese restaurant, and they're having Peking duck, and they're talking, and you know. I'm sorry for this for this tangent too. You know, how did was it just bad translations or something lost in translation back then? Because you remember growing up when we were told that the capital of China was was Peking, and really it's never been. P- it was there is no such city. It's Beijing. Yeah, is that what happened? 
I believe it was a colonial thing. Ah, okay. When, yeah, it, when, when it was colonized, it, it was right. It was called Peking. But then uh, once they it, it was liberated, you know, the locals and everyone called it Beijing. Right. But it took a while for the rest of the world to yeah, officially, officially call it Beijing. Aha, uh-huh. okay. You know, because it only went back to Beijing, what, maybe 10, 15 years ago? Maybe a little bit longer than that, but not Longer much. than that, but yeah, yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. You know, same, same thing with uh, Istanbul. Oh, of course. Constantinople. Yeah. yeah. You can't go back to Constantinople. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have a girl in Constantinople, she'll be waiting in Istanbul. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, you know, they're, they're sitting there having Chinese food, and just out of the blue, she, she says, Oh, yes, th- this is a new dress, I just got it. And Cranston's like, What? He's like, And she says, You asked me about my dress. He said, no, I didn't, but I was thinking about your dress. And she was like, oh, that's weird. That, that hasn't happened in a long time. And he says, what hasn't happened in a long time? Because <laughs> I can't just spit it out. But she's like, yeah, um, so, sometimes I can hear what people are thinking. And then you just see this look creep over his face. He's like, oh, shit. He's like, okay, I have to go now. Yeah. And, and, uh, here's the thing. As soon as, it's, it's so weird that she just up and just, she just up and said that too. Oh, yeah. I can hear what people are thinking. Yeah. And by the way, that's never explained either. No, she just, well, it's never explained how, how Cranston has powers because apparently well, he had the powers before and, and the the llama just helped him harness it and hone it. Oh no! Okay, so I was, I thought, I thought the 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 Toku, I thought he gave him the powers. I don't think him so. How to use it? I don't. I don't think so. I I think he he like harnessed what he already had. Oh shit! Okay, at, at least so. that's the way I took it. Well, that makes this movie like ten times worse. This movie's just getting worse the more we go through it. Because they okay, so that didn't even explain. So definitely, she so it's like telepathy, just like a like a disease, like, like <laughs> just a rare disease in this movie. Like some people have it. I guess so. Because oh wow, but but um, you know, he, he's like, I have to go now. You know, and he, he put some money on on the table, paid for dinner, and she's like. She's like, but why? He's like, I, I just have things to do. So he leaves. Cut to uh, her showing up at this like military office. No, I'm sorry. I cut to the Natural History Museum, and you see the the curator is walking down the hall, and he's like, Why didn't you call me in this late? And the dad from Alpha is like, Well, we got this box, but it's not ours. <laughs> Oh, and, yeah. and he's he's like, well, where'd it come from? He's like, it came from Tibet. I don't know what, you know, the, there's no return address on it. I don't know who it's from. So so they start looking at it. And he's like, oh, this this coffin is pure silver. So even though they're not supposed to open it because it's not theirs, they open it anyway. And, and the curator reads the inscription on the side. 
and he's like, "Oh, this is the this is the coffin of of Genghis Khan." So we need to go upstairs and make a phone call, and they leave the security guard there by himself. And security guard sitting there reading the paper, and all of a sudden the locks on the on the coffin just start to flip open. And, and really the security stupid. guard is just sitting there watching it. I'm like, you see, you see that start happening? Run like hell. Yeah. But no, he just sits there and just he keeps watching it. And he pulls his gun out like he's going to do something. But no, he just keeps watching it. Like, yeah. he goes closer and tries to close it back. Yeah, he keeps watching it. And then at the same time, you see Cranston has taken the girl home. And now he is... Back home, and he's falling asleep in front of his fireplace, and you get another bad CGI effect because he's he's got a, a snifter of brandy in his hand and he's sleeping. All of a sudden, the fire starts to roar even more. You see, you see this face come out of the flames, and just like does a silent scream, and it's just a, a non-distinct, really bad-looking CGI face. Mm-hmm. And then the the brandy in the glass catches fire, and the the glass pops which should have cut his hand or done something but it doesn't and he you know he wake, wakes up with the start like oh something something's coming something bad's coming so cut back to the um the museum this coffin finally opens and there standing is you know, it look, it looks like armor. You know, it, it's Mongolian armor. Mm-hmm. It starts to move, and it takes the it takes the faceplate off, and there you see uh, who at first you think is you know Genghis Khan somehow alive and well, but it's this this Asian man with some of the worst fake hair I've ever seen. He, he's wearing. A beard. He has a beard and mustache, but it is obviously fake, and it looks. Or I, I mean, uh, I can't think of the movie. But there's a movie. Oh yes, uh, if you guys have ever seen the first Charlie's Angels movie with, with, with Drew Barrymore and uh, mm-hmm. and Cameron Diaz, there's that one scene when they have to break into that computer place. And Cameron Diaz and Drew Barrymore are dressed up like men, and, and they're both wearing fake beards and mustaches. Right. That's what this beard and mustache looks like. Exactly. <laughs> like I, I don't know if the guy can't grow facial hair, or maybe he couldn't get it grown in time for this movie shoot. I just kept wanting the uh, security guy to look at that and go, "That's a fake mustache." And go, "No, it's not." And then rip it off and be like. Yes, it is. And he looks at him again. No, it's not. <laughs> Just like that scene out of uh, on Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> <When he, laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, anyway, the guy's standing there. He, he's like, he's like you know, "Where am I?" He's like, "You're in, you're in New York." And he's like, uh, "You will serve me." And the guard says, "No." Or huh, or something like that. Well, he tells him we're closed. Oh yeah, he said. Yeah. <laughs> and so that matters. He came there in a box. Yeah. So then he uses his powers, and when when 
the Khan uses his powers, his eyes turn like red and his pupils get really big. And, you know, he makes this guy, he makes the security guard shoot himself in the head. And then he leaves, basically. Yeah, and then they cut across the across the building where they're walking to make the call about this case you know they got and they hear the gunshot go off they run all the way back they go there and they say oh no we were only gone a minute like what the (laughs) what does that have to do with anything how long you were gone what is he always on the cheating ring on the edge like you have to leave him alone for so long or else he'll shoot his brains out (laughs) like this is the worst throwaway line I've ever seen this one's like who the fuck David kept Sucks at you know this this is this is really bad writing. Yeah, it is. It, it it's really bad. I mean, there's no way to really explain it. It's just bad. So then, so then you know, cut to the next morning, and <laughs> and you see, only gone a minute. You you see you know, um, Jonathan Winters is at the is at the museum now, and and you know got a crime scene it looks like the security guard was murdered and so then you know they're talking blah 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 and then you see this cop walk away from everybody and walk outside and and he has his paper he sticks it in a tube and he shoves the tube in this you know pneumatic pipe kind of like what's at the bank yeah when you're in the drive through and this tube takes the movie or takes the uh, the note all the way through it, it it looks like it goes through four different buildings just all over town and it goes to this central hub where this guy is there and he he opens it up it, I guess it's, I would say it's kind of like the Alfred to the shadows Batman but the guy's only in two scenes and he and in this scene he doesn't say a word he just you know pushes a, a, a button and then Al, um, Cranston's ring starts to glow so then he <laughs> this is the other fucked up thing he lives in a mansion in midtown Manhattan mm-hmm. but his base of operations is like on the other side of town so, so he has to to take his his uh, ring and call that that taxi driver friend of his to come and pick him up, then drive him to his secret lair, which makes no friggin' sense. <laughs> Have your lair in your home if you're you know if you're of a, a rich vigilante. Have your lair in your home. Or at least somewhere nearby, and have to go across New York City in a taxi. Yeah, because this taxi driver apparently is the only taxi driver that he has, you know, sway over. So yeah. what if this taxi driver is across the river in in Brooklyn? You have to sit there and wait. There's a murder. He's sitting there and waiting for this guy. And this isn't, you know, this is 1930s cars. The fastest they can go is what 40 miles an hour, 50. They can't go that fast. Yeah, probably something like that. So, <laughs> so you um, you have to wait for him to show up. He shows up. He gets in the taxi. He's like, "Take me to uh, the base." 
So they go to the base. They drive there. There's traffic all over. Um, they get to the base. And it's like down this alleyway. He flips a, a switch on, on a fire escape. And it opens the door. And he flips the switch back. Yeah, this is right in the, you know, right alongside some other apartments and buildings too, you know. Um, just hoping to God that no one saw him go in there. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes in and he's, he, um, you know, turns on this like radio and the radio has a little mini black and white TV screen. And, you know, there was a, a murder and there's a missing coffin and blah, blah, blah. He turns around and there's, you know, the con standing there. And the con's like, uh, you know, how are you doing? Uh, what was his original name? King, uh, Kinko or Yinko. Yinko. Yeah. He's like, how are you, Yinko? He's like, I don't go by that name anymore. Oh, no, you do go by that name. That's your true name. I know because I I studied with, with Topa, too. And and he told me all about you. And, and we're, we're uh, both the same. And by the way, do you have any American brandy? Because I really like this stuff. <laughs> and then, and, and Cranch is like, well, who are you? He's like, well, I'm the great, 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 great grandson of Genghis Khan, and I'm going to yeah, take over the world. She won Khan. Yeah, and, and I traveled to New York inside of my grandfather's coffin in order to absorb his essence and power. And and how would you, you like to run the world with me? Cranston's like, I'm not that guy anymore. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I help people. And he's like, no, deep down, you're still just like me. And, and so he's like, he's like, no, I'm not, I can do what you say, blah, blah, blah. And then he, or, um, the con is like, where did you get that tie? I really like it. <laughs> and he's like, Brooks Brothers. He's like, oh, okay. You know what? Fuck this. <laughs> because not only uh, this banter is just stupid. Yeah, we're talking about Brandy and Brooks Brothers ties and going on. And on top of that, is this the most non-threatening main villain you've ever seen in a movie? Yeah. but Because uh, uh, I never felt like, you know, even as it goes on, I never felt like anybody was really in any danger dealing with this guy no and on top of that the shadow definitely shouldn't because you know they have the same powers at worst you guys cancel each other out and nothing happens yeah i, I mean i think the cons powers at least starting out are a little bit stronger than the shadows but... you would think but i mean it 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 you know because he actually mastered the uh the talking dagger thing so that's that's one yeah you know but I mean, first comes the shove. I mean, I think, you know, at the end of the day, they did cancel each other out, you know, powers-wise. And so it's just about, okay, who's going to take who toe-to-toe? And honestly, like I said, most non-threatening threat threatening uh, villain I've ever seen. I think this is a pretty fair fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and a scene we forgot to mention before all this happened, the day before, uh... Marco goes to talk to her her dad. Oh, yeah, Magneto. Yeah, yeah. Ian McKellen is in this movie as a, a scientist who's working for the government uh, on a nuclear weapon. Basically. And it seems to me, okay, that's a yet another big name 
in this movie. It seems like Penelope Ann Miller is the only one who didn't land on her feet after this. Yeah. Everybody else went on to okay. Yeah, but this is... I say it's a fucked up thing, but it's probably a product of the 30s. As she's walking in, um, Tim Curry, who is another Oh, big, yeah. Is walking Forgot out. about Tim Curry. Yeah, t- Tim Curry is talking to Ian McKellen saying, hey, you have to get this, you know, we're working, we're on government timetable schedule, uh, blah, blah, blah. So, so he walks out just as Penelope is coming down the hall so he runs down the hall and he's like hey how, how you doing you haven't returned my calls in a while you know, how would you like to come over and see my beryllium sphere sphere yeah and she is he is totally trying to hop down the whole time the whole time that they're talking he's staring at her tits yeah like directly at her cell this is an interesting neckline yeah yeah, yeah. And, and then she w- walks past him He's staring at her ass, and he comes back around to the front, and he's staring at her tits, and they're they're bantering back and forth, and he's staring at her tits, where she finally takes his, his chin and lifts his head up so she so he he can look her in the eye, and he says I or she says that you know I just don't like you, and then walks in and goes and talks to her her dad. Yeah, and he's asking about uh, you know hey you want to see my beryllium spheres? She's like I don't want to see your spheres. She's talking about his package. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, because this pulp movie just wouldn't be... This wouldn't be what they are without all the sexual innuendo. It's the same thing you saw in, in, uh... You know, in Dick Tracy. Of course, yeah. But I put a little bit toned down compared to Dick Tracy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Not quite, but we'll get to that a little bit later. But yeah, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, so... So then, you know, we we cut back again, and um, now that the oh uh, the the con gives gives Cranston this, this uh, coin, and it's made of this weird metal. So he takes so he takes the coin and he goes to that Asian man's house that he saved, but he doesn't dress up as the shadow. He, he just looks like his own self and he knocks on the yeah, door. Yeah, he just goes as plain old Lamont. Yeah, he, he knocks on the door and he's like, uh, he's like, hey, the sun is shining. Yeah, but the ice is slippery. And then he, he does exactly what I said. He, the Asian guy goes, oh, you work for the shadow. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, shut up. He's like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> So then they go, I guess, to the lab in his basement because it turns out this Asian guy is a metallurgist or a chemist. Something. And they he, he does a bunch of tests on this coin and find, finds out it's this rare metal that comes from, you know, in that region in Tibet and everything. Um, but it's highly unstable and if, if uh, it comes in contact with with uh, this and if there's an explosion it, it it's a Im- it can be turned into an implosion then explosion device and then and then Alec Baldwin's like or a nuclear or an atomic bomb yeah which hadn't been invented yet yeah and the Asian guys oh that's a good name for it I'll have to remember <laughs> that 
And, and again, I gotta say, fuck this movie. Yeah. Yeah, so, kiss my butt. This is not. No, no. We, We're not acting like we coined the term atomic bomb right here yeah, in your house. The Shadow did not coin this term. <laughs> Lamont did not, did not come up with the, the atomic bomb. Yeah. So. Lamont. So, um, you know, anyway, it cuts to they're back at this club and, and, uh, the, the shadow is really only talking to, to his uncle to find out what the cops know and to keep the cops off his ass. Right, because every time he mentions the shadow, he mind controls him and tells him there is no shadow. You're not sending out a task force to stop the shadow. Yeah. You're going to go on it business as usual. And he does it because he mind controls him out of it. Yeah, so then they're sitting there, and then uh, Penelope Ann Miller comes up to the commissioner and is like he's like you need to, to to go and see about my father and he's like why he's like because he, he's not he's not accepting visitors anymore not even his own daughter and, and he's working and he's in his lab and he won't come out he's doing some sort of research um on on he's like he, he's talking and he's babbling in Chinese and blah 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 because come to find out, uh, one night he he was working on this this bomb that that he's trying to build, and he goes outside to take a smoke, and there's this billboard that's outside that has you know actual billing billowing smoke coming out of the mouth. Yeah. And then he just hears this voice calling his name. Oh, but did you catch what the billboard was for? Yeah, but did you see what kind of cigarettes it was? No, I wouldn't pay attention to it. Yeah, they're llama cigarettes. Not camel. Oh, fuck this movie. Llama. And it's, the, and it's the exact same logo, but replaced with a llama. Even has the same old desert. And the same font and everything. And it just killed me because they showed Times Square, or, you know, they showed, you know, Manhattan before. And you see actual advertising. You see, like, you know, Planters Peanuts and Roy Hill Furniture and... And uh, Van Heusen, you know, the shirt makers, whatever. Mm-hmm. So they got all those actual, you know, all those actual sponsors, but Camel said no. Well, like, dude, this was the 90s, man. Camel needed all the publicity it could get, you know, since they're not allowed to advertise anything. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, um, and anyway. I'm sorry, this, I, got, uh, I, got, I got the, I, I have the, the film, like. <laughs> Going in the background as we're you know, as we're talking, as I usually do, yeah, uh, people. But I'm just saying, you know, the uh, Shiwan Khan is sitting down eating something, and that fucking fake beard and mustache is just bobbing with like it's gonna fall off. <laughs> but you know, he he's looking at this billboard, and Shiwan Khan's face, like the the picture of the man that's smoking, morphs into this cartoon picture of Shiwan Khan, and and then. Uh, basically puts Ian McKellen in a trance. Yeah. So then, you know, uh, cut to he, uh, Ian McKellen is in this trance and he's he's built this beryllium sphere and he's putting it in a in a box in a crate uh, to be taken away. So, um, 
while they are at the club, Penelope Ann Miller's like, you know, he's babbling in Chinese and and he's, he's, you know, doing this and that and the other. So then all of a sudden, Cranston jumps up and starts walking away. So, so she like follows him outside and she's like, well, where are you going? He's like, I know where I'm, you know, I've got some business to attend to. And, and she goes, who's Ying Ko? And he looked, looked, looked at her, he's like, what? He's like, Who, who's, who's Ying Ko? And then he starts trying to do that Jedi mind trick on her. He's like, uh, he tells her, you, you've got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah, you don't know Ying Ko. You have to leave. I have to do something. She's like, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> and, and she's like, you have to go. Forget about me. And <laughs> he's like... He's like, you don't have to be rude, but, you know, I, I won't be treated like this. So come find out, you know, she, because she's psychic, she's immune to the shadows, you know, tricks. Probes, yeah. So then he, he just says, fuck it, and gets in the taxi and leaves. <laughs> and so he takes off and, and, uh, you know, it cuts to this, this military office. And you see the two guards are outside and they're talking about what to get for dinner. Then you see these these Mongols wearing full Mongolian armor for God knows what reason. You know, they're, they're not blending in at all. But they've got... No. You know, they've got Mong- I don't even know where they came from. <laughs> they sure didn't come in the box because there's only room for Shiwan Khan. So. Yeah, but, but Shiwan Khan is was wearing that armor and 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 in that box to quote unquote absorb his his ancestor's essence. Yeah. You know, and for most of the rest of the movie he's wearing a suit and stuff. Why are these Mongolians wearing this ancient this armor? And where did one, where did they come from? Two, why aren't they wearing regular clothes? But, you know, they, they come, come in with these crossbows. They kill these two guards. And then um, they, they go, go in and, and Ian McKellen is packing up this brilliant spear. And as they're, they're getting it packed, that maniacal laughter starts. You just hear, ha 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 ha. You know, and out of nowhere, you just see these guys flying like they've been punched back and forth. You know, yeah, more of that non-action. Yeah, and of course the lights are off in this lab, so, so, fucking, the one of the guys takes a, a flashlight and he's flashing it around the room trying to find him. He puts the flashlight on one wall, and there's a cartoon shadow there. So then, and, and the shadow standing there is it, like looking around, like, "Oh shit, what do I do? What, what do I do?" So he tells one of the guys with the crossbows to shoot at the shadow. It shoots two arrows in the shoulders, and then, which this is really the only good effect I think, where the the shadow just starts to come out of the wall. And it, it's 
I don't know how, how to explain it without actually you know showing it to you. Maybe I'll put the I'll find the clip on YouTube and put it up. But he yeah, you might have he to. he turns from you know a shadow shadow into you know a man just sort of stepping out of the wall, and his 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 cape is still pinned to the wall, but he pulls out his guns and he starts shooting dudes. One of the guy the the main guard grabs the beryllium sphere and Ian McKellen and, and you know bugs out the shadow finally gets free from the wall and he starts chasing them but he gets tackled by Applejack from the Black Eyed Peas <laughs> <laughs> and they, they start fighting and and they end up outside on the balcony and you know and uh, the shadow's like where, where is Shinwan gone hiding? He's like, I'll never tell you. And and the shadow actually tries to save him. He's like, you know, hold on with both hands because you're gonna fall. And he and the guard is like, you know, I'll gladly fall for Shinwan Khan. So he lets go. He falls, splats on the street. Yeah, with like the worst blue screen. Um, because you you even see like a a, a partial black outline. Around him, he looks like a cutout when he falls. Yeah, yeah. So then, now Shinwan Khan has the brilliant sphere and has Ian McKellen. You see Ian McKellen on the phone to his daughter, saying, "Hey, I need you to come here right now." So she she goes to to the office, sees the two dead guards. One of the Mongols grabs her, kidnaps her, takes her back to Shinwan Khan's base. Then you see Shimon Khan take off her coat and rub his hands all creepily down her back. Because she's wearing this dress. It's got an open back. Yeah. And she he, he rubs his hands all down her back, all the way from her shoulders down to like the small of her back. It looked like he was about to strip her naked right there. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where are we going? Yeah. But, uh, but like, no, he uh, doesn't. We were on the planet Mongo or something. <laughs> but then he he just looks at her and then he opens a box and gives her a gun and sends her over to Lamont's house. Well, not necessarily. He sends her to kill the shadow. Oh yeah, and she ends up at Lamont's house. Yeah. So so she ends up there and she's in this like trance. She comes in the house and she she sees Lamont sitting in this chair and she shoots, but it happens to be a reflection of, of Lamont. It's not, you know, he, he's actually on the other side side of the room. And he takes the gun from her and wakes her out of this trance. And then she's like, Where am I? What, what am I doing here? And he was like like yeah. I was gonna ask you the same question. What the fuck are you doing in my house? Yeah, why why are you here? And she she starts to slowly remember and she's like, Oh, I you know, uh this man kidnapped my father and somehow instructed me to kill the shadow, but why did I come here? And he's like, I don't know why you came here. And she's like, Oh, because you're the shadow And he's like, No, I'm not. Look into my eyes and his <laughs> eyes get Instead of Shinwan Khan's eyes get get red, 
his get black. And and the pupils get really big. And he's like, look, look into my eyes. You've never been here before. I am not the shadow. And she's like, stop. You know, I know you're the shadow. And he says, well, just stay here. I'm going to take care of this. You know, go home. Don't follow me. When I get you back, you better not be here. So, so he gets in the car and leaves. And lo and behold, he's being followed by another taxi with a with a Mongol in full armor. And, and nobody says anything. Nobody says anything. And he goes to Chinatown. He gets out of the taxi, looks behind him. There's no one on the street. He looks behind him. He sees the Mongol standing maybe six feet from him. Mm-hmm. And he walks and ducks into this alleyway and uses his powers to make it look like the alley's empty. So then, you know, the Mongol looks down the alleyway, doesn't see anybody. <laughs> he he then goes into Chinatown where apparently it's Chinese New Year because there's fireworks and everything going off. You know, it always is. You don't notice that every time there's like a chase or something like that in Chinatown, it's always during Chinese New Year. I guess so. Yeah, that is true. So he 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 follows this Mongol into this Chinese restaurant, goes upstairs, and sees this Shinwan Khan sitting there <laughs> in a in a nice tailored suit. But he yeah, but no uh. No trim up on that beard, though. No, that that beard well. looks horrible. <laughs> and so, and so, you know, they sit down, and they have a civil conversation, and Shadow's like, "Hey, I like that tie." Yeah, <laughs> can we stop Con- it already? Yeah, Shimon Khan's like, "Yes, Brooks Brothers." <laughs> Fuck, you know what? Yeah. Thanks for tuning in tonight, folks. Um, you can find us at www.nojibbajabfm.com. No, we we still have 45 minutes to get through here, but Jesus. we are going to speed it up here. That really pissed me off, man. I just like really, it, we're still we're we're still on this compare it, this this small talk and comparing drinks and and ties and clothing and all that. Like like we don't know what like like we don't have a you know like you haven't sent people out to kill me. Yeah, well, they, he said, he, he's like, yeah, you, well, well, you tried to kill me, but you failed. He's like, oh, yeah. So, uh, he, he's like, I I knew, knew she wouldn't kill you, but, uh, but she's dead, dead now, right? Because you're, you're Ying Ko. He's like, no, she's not dead. She went home. And he's like, he, <laughs> he's like, uh, he said, well, why wouldn't you kill her? Because it's in your nature. Because it's in my nature. Because we're both evil dudes who have these powers. And Tolku, you know, couldn't get rid of that from you. And he's like, no, well, I'm not like you. And Shinwan Khan says, yes, you are. And he pulls out, he pulls out uh, Topo the knife. Or, no, Purba the knife. And slams it into the, the uh, table. Shadow's like, oh, that knife. He's like, oh, yeah, you didn't master it, did you? He's like, no. He was like, yeah, uh, uh, the, the Topa told me that before I stabbed him with it. So, so then it turns into, then, you know, that, that guard comes out, it turns into a chase scene uh, with 
the shadow running away and escaping. He, he goes back to his his apartment. And, yeah, and she's still there. Well, <laughs> so of course they have. Some. Well, well, the thing is, he wakes up in the morning because he guys he goes home and goes to sleep, and he has that weird dream. Uh, well, th- this is before the dream. Oh, okay. He, because she's still at his house, and she, she asks him, you know, and th- this is the best. That's right. Movie. That's right. I forgot she about a- that. She asks him, you, you know, how how are you able to do all these things? And he looks at her with a, with a, a straight face, and he, he says, "Well, psychically, I'm well endowed." <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> and she says, and, "I bet you are." Yeah, yeah. She says, "I bet you are." And then they have sex, and then he falls asleep and has this dream where he wakes up and he's got like a little scab on the side of his cheek, and so he starts picking at it, and then it forms a hole in his face, and so he sticks his whole hand in this hole. <laughs> yeah, instead of freaking out, he just reaches his whole hand. Yeah, and then it turns into. Uh, it's kind of. It looks like that mask from Mission Impossible Two. Two, yeah. Where he, he's pulling this this mask off his face, and underneath the mask is is uh, the con. Be, because you know the con says we're, we're both the same. You and I are alike. So now he's scared that he's going to turn back into Yinko. Yeah. But um, anyway, he. He finally lets the girl help him. So he sends her to to look up like architecture records while he goes. Oh. What? Well, yeah, yeah. Because I just want to say, you know, because because back in that scene, you know, when they finally do wake up in the morning, and uh, she's still there, and she's like saying, "Oh, she had a beautiful dream." She, you know, she's like, "I was laying naked on the beach and." You know the 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 tide was rushing over me and blah blah. He's like, I had a dream. I tore my whole face off. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> like, yeah, nice one there, Lamont. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. So uh, he sends her, her to uh, look look at these records because he's getting a feeling about this empty lot for some reason. And and he says, well, while I'm doing that, I'm gonna go go back to your father's office and I'm going to talk to your to uh, to uh, Tim Curry because Tim Curry was uh, your father, father's assistant he probably knows where your father could be or how to deactivate the beryllium sphere whatever yeah so so he finds Tim Curry at this I guess water pump station or something Mm-hmm. and he's He's in there for God knows what reason. They really don't say why. But then you start hearing the laughter. Ha 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 Tim Curry says, well, I put it on a truck. And, you know, and as Tim Curry's talking, 
he goes over and turns on the water in this thing. Because I guess he knew this was coming. I don't know. Well, he, he did know it was coming. Because then, as they're talking, he turns on the water, and he looks down, and he can see where the water isn't there. You know, it... Because, you know, the, the shadow is actually taking up of that space, so the water would go around his legs. So he sees where, where the shadow is actually standing. He pulls out a gun, and he tells the shadow, I'm not under un, under hypnosis. I want to do this because because the Khan is going to give me, you know, all this land and power, and I'm going to be a king in, in this new world. So then he starts shooting and hits the shadow you, you see him shooting along the wall and there's a bullet hole bullet hole ah bullet hole bullet hole <laughs> and then you just see blood just appear in the water so so then you know uh, Tim Curry locks the door runs away and and the shadow makes himself visible again and he's in all this pain and he sends out a psychic message to Penelope Ann Miller and she falls out of the chair because the message is so strong. Um, she drives to this, this, whatever this pump station is, and uh, he, she, she opens it so he, he can, he can finally get out. So he gets out, and then uh, she says, "Well." Well, first they they get him home, and he says, "You know, I used to be be a bad man, and you know, am I really still good underneath him?" Blah blah blah. And and she says, "Yeah." And he's like, "Well, what did you find out about that lot?" She says, "Well, um, um actually, no, this before. Oh, well, I, I want to get ahead, but I don't get too far." Ahead. But she, she's like, well, what did you, you find out about the lot? And she was like, well, it used to be a hotel, but um, the hotel was built, but then, then it was sold to some Far East investor. Well, when, and he says, well, when did it get torn down? And she's like, um, there's no record of it being torn down, but everyone that uh, that would know about it seems to think it was torn down and remember it being torn down right. so he's he's like oh that son of a bitch the con has hypnotized everybody <sighs> so you know we cut back to, to the con and he now has his brilliant sphere and he's he got it activated he sets it for like 160 minutes or something like that I really love that um, we're talking about the creation of a beryllium spear to stand in for, uh, you know, I guess for like uranium or uh, whatever else would would would, would make the you know, the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. You know, um, this is just just after World War One, so <laughs> no way do we have this invented yet. You know, not until the forties. And then we're talking about beryllium spear, sphere, BS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then the beryllium spear. 
they yes <laughs> that's what they were trying to do uh, oh like so that was what i would like to say they were trying to do but you know the screenplay has been so bad i don't think they were even clever enough to even see what they did there no no not at all but um any, anyway uh the, the con tells excuse me the con tells uh tim curry to build the statue and then I guess he put out a press release and, and basically tells the, the, the world or at least the mayor of New York that I want billions of dollars in jewels and antiques and gold or I'm going to blow up New York. So, you know, they start putting this thing together and they go on a scouting trip to the Empire State Building just to see you know how big of an explosion it's going to be and the Khan is wearing you know like a robe and you know it's got a robe with a really long train this soldier walks up to him and says hey nice dress toots so then he makes the soldier jump off the top of the Empire State Building um, but uh, after that we're in the final act and I'm trying to wind this down because this movie sucks yeah um, it sucks and really I mean all we're doing right now because look the action is not there man all, all we're getting pretty much is dialogue here. yeah it's a lot of dialogue so you know unnecessary dialogue at that so uh, Shadow and and Margo they go to this this spot this empty lot and, and they're looking at it and and Shadow starts to focus and, and he's concentrating and then you see this shimmer and then you sort of see this this uh, hotel where this empty lot is and he's like he did it he hypnotized the entire city to think this building isn't here how the fuck do you do that I is, is it just sheer I, I mean do you have to look at every person and say this building is not here or is it just sheer force of will, like Professor X? Or... And how does he do it without draining himself clean, like you know, like like you know uh, Lamont? Whenever he uses it, you know, it it takes a lot out of him. So how much more? How much must it be taking out of him to disguise this place from everybody in New York City? I don't know, but anyway, he, he's like, okay, I found it. So. So here's the deal. I'm going to send you and the taxi driver guy instructions. You follow them to the letter. Night falls. Shadow goes into the hotel. And, of course, you know, you start seeing people dying and you hear the laughter. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. He starts shooting people. And the con's like, the shadow is here. He, he's in the building somewhere. And he sends Tim Curry to go find him and kill him. So Tim Curry goes into this ballroom and he he just he does the same thing the mobster did at the beginning of the movie where he's he steps on like his tiptoe and he just spins around in a circle just shooting his Tommy gun at everything in the room. And now Tim Curry is laughing like a fucking maniac. And and he starts and, and the shadows like he, the shadow's toying with him. And and then the shadow appears behind him and punches him in the face, takes the gun from him. And 
he asks where, where's the brilliant sphere and he says it's upstairs and now Tim Curry he's like foaming at the mouth and he's he's, he's just he's <laughs> like on meth or bath salts or something he's crazy and so then he's like uh, he's like okay Tim Curry now you get out of here and there's the exit and he uses his mind powers to make the um the window say exit so then Tim Curry just runs and jumps out this window falls I don't know how many stories down to the lobby and dies yep. so um, get upstairs and now the shadow is fighting with with uh, the con and the con has a Buck Rogers or a Flash Gordon room where he's got this round center part and he pushes a button and the motherfucker starts to spin. It spins and it tilts just like in in, uh, in Flash Gordon. Yep. And and then he throws Perba out there. Perba starts to starts to chase all around and, and he stabs stabs the shadow in, in the shoulder <laughs> and almost kills him but then the shadow gets a hold of it and somehow Perba gets arms and it, it's laying on the floor like an insect and starts crawling towards him <sighs> but then he finally gets control of the knife and, and the knife starts to listen to him the knife flies and it hits it hits uh, the con like in the gut and it the, the pain is enough to ruin his concentration. So then, so then, uh, everyone, all of New York can see the hotel again. And yeah, and, 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 and I'm sorry, I forgot to mention one thing. Uh, back during the Tim Curry fight, um, you know, when he shows up, when, 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 the, when the shadow shows up, they billow that cape up in the dark, and, you know, again, they're going for the Batman shot. Oh yeah, when, when and, he's at the top of the stairs. Yeah, and I swear that music—that is Danny Elfman's Batman playing behind there. Yeah, it's, they just stopped giving a fuck. It's damn close. It was <laughs> really close. I was surprised. It's it was the that same close. song. And <laughs> um, anyway, they, they fight, and then the Khan you know escapes, and he still got the knife. And they uh, while while the shadow is chasing the Khan. Um, Ian McKellen has come to his senses again and he, him and Penelope and Miller are going to have to defuse this beryllium sphere it starts rolling down it, it turns into a fucking like, like Scooby Doo cartoon because it's rolling down the hallway of this hotel and they're chasing it and somehow they're not that far away from it the sphere is huge the sphere at, at least four feet in height, five feet. Well, no, I, I say four feet in height. They're not that far behind it, but it rolls and it rolls past the stairwell. But somehow, they, they it's not turning any corners. It's going straight down this hallway. Somehow they lost track of it, so they go down the stairs, thinking that the sphere went down the stairs. So 
they're downstairs. They're like, where's the sphere? And they hear this crash upstairs. I'm like, oh no, it's upstairs. So they run upstairs. Just as they're getting to the top of the stairs, <laughs> it's coming down at them. So then they run back down the stairs. And they dodge out of the way. Oh, shit. They dodge out of the way. And the, the, the fucking thing hits the, hits the elevator doors and it, and it almost knocks the, the, uh, it, it knocks the elevator door down and it's just laying there. And (laughs) fucking, so Ian McKellen gets on, on the, on the door as well to finish defusing the thing. And every, as soon as he stepped on it, it, it shook and almost went down the elevator shaft. So he's try, trying to trying to reach the access panel, which is on the other side of the sphere. His daughter, for God knows what reason, decides to climb on the door, too. And I'm like, it's not going to hold all this weight. No, it shouldn't. They should have fallen through that. But they don't. And they they get to the... Um, they, they finally cut the the wire it turns well, off the there's one thing they um I guess back in the first scene when you first meet him uh he, he, he has on a red shirt or he has on a vest but then he has a red shirt under it and uh Penelope Ann Miller asks him uh where'd you get that shirt and he's like oh I got it uh from such and such he said I look good in green she's like you're wearing red and so he's got some color blindness so all of that just for this payoff at the end, so that when they're when he when he, when it was time for him to defuse the bomb and cut the green wire, he didn't know which one it was, and so they had like one second left to spare before she cut it. And it's like, and she tells him again, "This is green. That's red." Yeah. Yeah. It, it, stupid. Again. Yeah. But um, in the meantime, down. I guess it's in the basement. I don't know. The shadow has, has caught up to to uh, the con, and it's like in the, in the House of Horrors. Yeah, it, it's like a hall of mirror. It, it's like the the hall of mirrors from uh, Enter the Dragon, that last scene. Kind of, yeah. And they're in there, and and they're facing off against each other for whatever re- reason. The shadow has finally sort of come into his own, and he knows that he knows who he is now. He's not Yinko. He, he is the shadow. He is there to see the the evil in men and stop it. And then we get this weird green screen effect as as Alec Baldwin's eyes, instead of being black like they are when he uses his powers, they're like silver. And then the glass starts to break in in the mirrors, and it shatters, and the cons just being thrown all around in this bad green screen set, because the force of of the shadow's mind is just knocking him all over the place and breaking all this glass. Um, so the shadow picks up this big sliver of glass, looks at it, holds his ha- hand up, and opens his hand. And makes the guys fly out, and it stabs the con in the head. Yeah, and then, and 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 that's and this is over. Yeah, as far as if I see, this is what I meant. 
I mean, he was already non-threatening to look at. You know, it didn't seem very imposing at all. But then, <coughs> excuse me, when we finally get to the big payoff, the big face-off, it's over in two seconds. Yeah. What the hell do we sit through this whole movie for? I don't know. Because he, because the con doesn't even get like a final, because usually in, in climaxes like this, the bad guy will get one shot so it looks like he's about to score that final blow and then the hero will you know do something at like the last surge and come back yeah no he just doesn't have glass right to the head yeah, glass to the head it cuts it cuts to the con sitting in in a, a padded cell with a uh straight jacket on and the doc and he's still got that bad beard but now he has a bad wig too and the doctor comes in with his dinner and he's and and the cop's like, you know, where am I? He's like, oh, you're in whatever hospital. And he's like, you you let me go immediately. He's like, oh no, we can't do that. And so then he's like, <laughs> so the con makes him sit down. He 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 goes, sit down. Look into my eyes. You will release me. He's like, no, I cannot do that because, you know, this is a state hospital, uh, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you can't make me do that because of this, this, uh, this, uh, uh, giant wound in, in your head. He's like, what are you talking about? The, the con says, what do you mean? And he turns his head, the doctor turns the con's head to the camera so you can see this giant this giant bald patch on the side of his head and then there's a a scar that's shaped like a capital letter G on his head he's like yeah we got the shrapnel out of your head but we had to take out a part of your uh, frontal lobe but don't worry it's not a part of the, the brain that, that, that anyone uses Unless you believe in telepathy. <laughs> oh, they just had to throw it in there like we didn't get it. Yeah. So then, you know, the doctor walks out and, and the Khan is screaming, screaming, I'm the ancestor of Genghis Khan. I am the Khan. And all the, the inmates are saying, yeah, I'm Abraham Lincoln and I'm uh, George Washington. And the... the and then it cuts to the classroom. I'm Malcolm X. I'm Malcolm X. I'm Malcolm X. <laughs> Better ending if they did. Yeah, but then um, you know, it, at, you see the uh, the doctor walking down the hall. He reaches into his his jacket pocket and he pulls his hand back out, and he's got a, a shadow ring on. And he just kind of walks down. And he whistles, and then it cuts to that evening, and they're. And it's uh, Cranston and and Margot, and they're having dinner. So- something happens, and, and Cranston has to leave. And and Margot follows him out, and she she's like, uh, she's like, well, how can? Um, she says, you know, well, what do I do? And he, he's like, well, just you know, go out, out and ha- have fun. I'll be back. And she's like, well, how do you know where to find me? And he turns to the camera. Don't worry. The shadow knows. Uh, 
vomit and then he runs into an alleyway and then the camera follows a couple steps behind and turns the corner and there he is in the shadow outfit one more time cut to credits uh, yeah and about these credits um yeah the, the movie set in the 1930s you would think you know the closing credits you're gonna have some type of big band number or something you know kind of representative of the times no we get this like power piano ballad that sounds like it came out of the mid 80s yeah what the fuck was that about i had no idea this movie was all wrong all yeah, wrong it, it's it's the problem with all of these pulp movies it i don't know if it was just because they were the time wasn't right for them or may, maybe the time has just passed for them but the 90s could not get it right now maybe if these films had come out like now the way special effects are now they could have been better possibly but the other thing is the time see even well because now this is this one this one is the most egregious example because okay flash gordon is kind of a perennial thing you know it's it's kind of always around in some form you know it goes dormant for a while but it always eventually comes back you know um unfortunately um the, the phantom okay when they were trying to make it there you know we're only a few years removed from defenders of the earth by the time it was supposed to come out you know phantom 2040 the cartoon series had already you know had already aired and they had re-aired and had a video game and all that stuff like that you know before the movie ever came out now confusing because it was 2040 you know as i told you in that episode but still there was something phantom related by the there was nothing shadow at all like no one had seen the shadow since like since, since the, what the 1950s yeah and they just pulled it back up out of nowhere so unless you were old enough to have remembered that i mean and why would you have been excited for it? Yeah, and, and nobody was. That's why it bombed. That's what I'm saying. That if if it was the way cinema is now, where everyone is is where movie studios are comic crazed, they have to have some sort of comic property because that's what's hot right now. I think these movies, if they would have been made now, may have been better because because people haven't heard of them in God knows how long. So you can pretty much do whatever you want. Uh, well, I beg to differ because I'll use the same example I did last time. They tried that with the spirit and look, <laughs> look what happened. Yeah, but the spirit was a Frank Miller comic. The spirit that oh, was, wasn't a... It, it, it was set back in those in the, like the 40s and 50s. Oh, okay. okay. I'm, I'm thinking of something else, but, but okay, I thought that was... Alright. Yeah. That's uh, that's different. I don't know. I just, I just think this one, this one more than all of them, just, just, just. Well, this one and Flash Gordon are really on, really kind of on the same page as far as like just how they totally screwed up. Yeah. I mean, they really screwed up. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. It, it was really, really bad. And I mean, the, the source material was right there, you know. 
Oh, wait, no, I, and, I, I take that back. And Batman was right there. I, I take and, that back. Uh, the spirit was made in 1940. Okay. Yeah, okay, you're all right. Yeah, see, I'm also... No, I, I was thinking of another movie. Um, but, yeah, that was the shadow. Yeah, I'm glad it's over. Um, so much. Because that was, that was terrible. Um, like I said, I think it derailed the career of Penelope Ann Miller, although it seems like everybody else did okay, so I'm not sure what's going on. Um, but, I mean, I don't think, I think they casted it well. I mean, I thought, you know, Alec I thought Alex Baldwin was good. I thought everybody they cast, they were good actors, but the acting wasn't the problem, it was the writing. Yeah. And the bad effects. Yeah, that. And everything was so rushed. Like you don't really, you still don't really understand how they have these fucking powers. They're just there. Yeah. See, see now that's the one thing. See, if the movie was made today, because they're because the way we do origin stories now, they would get into all the hows and whys. They did not do that on here. Yeah, it it would have been the complete opposite. You know, if, if it would have been made today, the the movie itself is an hour and forty seven minutes. If this movie was made today, an hour and probably ten minutes of it would have been the origin and him training to get the powers. And then the last thirty minutes would be rushed trying trying to get through the rest of the story. This is completely different. You 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 set up who this guy is, then there's a scroll and fast forward to <laughs> seven years, you don't know what how he trained or what he did. You know, it it just kind of drops it on you, and I I guess they, they're expecting people. Oh yeah, we know this. We don't. Yeah, we don't need except, to show. It. No, nobody knows this except for, like I said, the people who were old enough. Yeah, to and remember that, and they're old, you know. Yeah, like they're old. This is the 1930s, 40s property. Yeah, it's all the 1990s. So you're talking about people who are 50, 60 years old. See now, I would. I would almost apply this approach to the next Spider-Man. Don't give me another origin story. Give me a scroll that, that <laughs> That's says how, said how, how Spider-Man got his powers and jump right into the rest of the story. I don't need you to know see why because everybody knows that they can do that now. Yeah, they've earned that. You yeah. know, literally, we have had five Spider-Man movies in the last ten years. We yes. know, we know, everyone knows where he got his powers from. Yep. You don't show it again. Give no us a scroll. But... Give us a scroll. Yep. And get on with the story. That, yeah. That's the only thing I would take away from the shadow. That is how you start a movie. <laughs> oh, man. With, with but... an established, you know, comic character. I also forgot to mention, because we glossed over it, uh, I guess the part where uh, where Penelope and Miller um, finally lo- finally looks into uh, Lamont's head and sees oh <laughs> she finally sees the dark side. But oh, this is him in a battle. I mean, I don't know if that's really you know I, I don't know what's so dark about that. But uh, the part where so so they're showing her and she's like she's like standing there and like I guess representing her looking into his mind you see her standing there he's still in one of those sheer nightgowns and then like all this wind starts blowing around her and the fire flares up around her and 
they pulled the Dick Tracy thing, you know, where they snuck the, where, where they snuck the nudity and they just made it cling real close to her and put the light on it perfectly so you could see her nipples and all that. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and then they let it go real quick. So, um, yeah, this 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 thing, it, in more ways besides shitty um, background sets, it was it, it, it borrowed a lot from Dick Tracy. Yeah. And it it was not good. Nah. So. um yeah. Um there well our our next episode our point 5 is going to be interesting for the simple fact that there was no shadow spin-off for good re- for good reason. Yeah. So um because there isn't a good shadow spin-off and because we've already talked Batman the animated series, we are going to talk another cartoon property that borrowed kind of heavily from the shadow mm-hmm. uh which you can watch and catch up on on YouTube or you can go to Walmart. I know the first season is on is there for like 10 bucks. Um, we're watching Darkwing Duck. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned for that one next week. Um, and, of course, you can find us once again at facebook.com backslash nojibbajabbafm Find yep. us on Twitter at Death Cakes Pod. We are on Instagram at No Jibba Jabba FM. Uh, I'm on Twitter at JRU78. Illy is at Illrockski. We are finally getting ourselves back on track. Yes, and you know. We, we, we've got big things coming this fall. So please oh, stay yeah. tuned new fall season like uh i was just actually i was just uh recording on uh keepers of the funk earlier uh today yeah you know yeah. so uh keepers yeah a little soft back. uh yeah a soft uh relaunch of uh kotf and some big things happening over there um i mean the fool of course will be the end cap for uh for this we got one more that we got to do for death cakes yeah uh in this in this block um and uh oh well and you know of course the website you know no jibbajabafm.com where you can find all our episodes oh, yeah. uh, other random postings and um all of our subscribe links yeah and and we we're also on periscope you can find us the same uh at death Cakes pod um, yeah i'm gonna be on there stuff here soon i'm gonna have a lot more pictures up on instagram of yep, same toy here. collection and stuff yeah i mean we're, we're just getting back in the groove again we apologize for being away for so long yeah and but, again top of the show that was you know mostly that mostly had to do with me this time around just because of the moving and all of that yeah but it, job it's, situation it's been a, a bad summer it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, it's yeah, that's, b- between, between, yeah, uh, mom passing and everything else. It's just, it, it hasn't been, the, the summer hasn't gone the way we planned it to go. No, it has not. But at the same time, I think we're going to have some great stuff this fall, winter. Hell time. yeah. Um, so yeah, stay tuned. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. Until next time, folks. See ya. What evil lurks in the heart of men? It be the shadow street light flowing again. I had a plot, schemed, I knew for sure. 
Only one kick will knock the hinges off the door. The dread shot the jet. Sabrina at his neck. 13 pounds on the table plus a tech. Just when I said, where the fuck's the cream? Another dread came out the kitchen with the M16. He tried to cock it. Blast these shots like rockets. Crush this collarbone with his arm out the socket. One move for the table is swift. I got my hostage. That nigga tried to stab you, girl. But I dodged it. Nigga said, Carlton, you said, ill motherfucker. Cause I made it look like they both killed each other and I'm out. Psychically, I'm very well endowed. I'll bet you are.